Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. In 2009, Sandy Steer and Chris Perry applied for a marriage license. The two had been living together with their children in Alameda County for years. Their license, however, was denied. That's because just a year prior, California voters passed Prop 8 banning gay marriage. Steer and Perry, a lesbian couple, would later become plaintiffs in a case that would go all the way up to the Supreme Court and restore marriage equality in California. It's been 10 years since then. And last month, KQED's Scott Schaefer and Carlos Cabrera Lomeli invited Steer and Perry to KQED to watch their younger selves go on stand to defend their right to marry. Policies that institutionalize unfairness, the group that's unequal believes that they're not equal. It's powerful, policy is powerful. Today, you're gonna hear from Steer and Perry in their own words as they reflect back on their long battle for marriage equality and what it's meant to them to be part of this monumental case all these years later. Stay with us. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. I am Chris Perry. I'm a plaintiff in the case that challenged Proposition 8 and was ruled on by the United States Supreme Court. My name is Sandy Steer, and I was a plaintiff in Perry versus Schwarzenegger, which ended up being called Hollingsworth versus Perry in the United States Supreme Court, and that is the case that restored marriage equality to California. 
you know, before we went to the trial, we we were certainly both very anxious about it, but also, you know, kind of saying, it's got to be fine. You're going to do great. You're going to be good. And so we just tried to kind of hold each other up and, and give each other a lot of support. And we were clenching hands before we went up. Why are you a plaintiff in this case? Well, I'm a plaintiff in this case because I would like to get married and I would like to marry the person that I choose and that is Chris Perry. So I w did not come out until much later in life. So when I was right out of college, University of Iowa, moved to California, got married to a man, had two kids, and knew that something wasn't working for me. I couldn't fully understand that for quite some time. And I fell in love with Chris. That's when I understood, first of all, the concept of falling in love, which until then, I don't think I could wrap my head around until I actually experienced it for myself. In general terms, how did that relationship grow and what, it di what did it grow into? Well, I remember the, the first time I met Sandy thinking she was maybe the sparkliest person I'd ever met. And, um, and I wanted to be her friend. And we were friends for a few years. And, and our friendship became more and more um, it became deeper and deeper over time, and, and, and then after a few years, I, I began to feel that I might be falling in love with her. I really felt like the thunderbolt of a change for me. I was so struck by my feelings and then the intensity of them, I felt like it just sort of took over my life. I felt like I just grabbed something and held on and did not let go, no matter what. So we were pretty clear early on that we wanted it to be long-term and that we had to take a, the steps to make that happen. And so I just felt like no matter what, I'm going to hold on to this because this person that I love, that I'm crazy about, I will not let go of. I will not, no matter what. You learned in some way that the mayor of the city of San Francisco had authorized the issuance of marriage licenses and the performance of marriage in San Francisco. Am I stating that correctly? Yes. Uh, was that, that was in the early part of 2004? Yes, for us it was February of 2004. And what did you, did you act on that information? I did. I, um, I, Sandy and I both were, were reading about it in the newspaper and we talked about whether or not we would want to also, would go to San Francisco to have this uh, marriage and then continue with our other plans and that's what we decided we want to do. So we made an appointment and we went to City Hall and we brought um, all of the boys and my mom and we were married in City Hall. A few weeks after our August ceremony, the uh, state Supreme Court ruled that the San Francisco weddings were invalid. Policy is powerful. And, and I, you internalize that state. You internalize those policies and beliefs into your own psyche. And for me, I, I really believed I wasn't as good as heterosexual married people. It's amazing. She's a really strong person professionally, personally, in just every way, but to see what that had done to her, to see what living with discrimination had done to her, it's it painful to know that about, to have to bear witness to that suffering. I had never felt like I wouldn't have access to marriage. I always thought I would. And then when I didn't have access to marry the person I fell in love with, I was just outraged. 
I didn't feel like there was something wrong with me. I thought there was something wrong with the with society, with the world, with the process. I thought this is it's an absurd thing to to be voted on, and I couldn't believe, quite frankly, that the majority of my fellow Californians chose to discriminate against me and every other uh, couple or person like me. Same-sex marriage. Have you really thought about it? What it means when gay marriage conflicts with our religious freedoms. Why it was forced on us by San Francisco judges when gay domestic partners already have the same legal rights. What it means when our children are taught about it in school. Have you thought about what same-sex marriage means? To me? Think about it. Voting yes restores traditional marriage. Yes on Proposition 8. The fact that Proposition 8 had gone to the voters of California seemed so wrong that people in the, in the state could vote on our, what we consider to be a fundamental right, felt like the wrong way to use a political process. And so we felt like maybe it belongs in the judiciary because do you, can you have the majority of the people decide on your rights? That's not fair. It's just fundamentally not fair. And as a protected class, we need to have protection. And so it felt like the judici you know, the judicial process is where you find protection. Did you feel that voters were being warned that they needed to protect their children from you? Yes, I did. And I felt like I was being used, that my, the fact that I, you know, I am the way I am and I can't change the way I am was being mocked and made fun of and disparaged in a way that I like there really didn't have any way to respond to it. I just had to know that it, people felt that way. We didn't make the decision to be plaintiffs without first checking in with the kids and they each in their own way said, this is important and of course you should do it and we want you to succeed. And then finally, that we were in a position to do it. We were in a privileged position. We had a secure life. We had good jobs. We had children who were healthy. We had supportive family and friends. And it was, we lived in a supportive community. It was, it, we should do it. What is your relationship with plaintiff Sandra Steer? Um, well, Sandy is the woman I love. Part of what happens is you take care of other people's homophobia. Like, I don't want to make you feel homophobic. So I'll be less gay around you. There's this weird, unspoken dynamic, like you kind of closet yourself. Anyway, so this, we, we gave all that up by being plaintiffs. So we, we were so obviously out and we cared so much that we weren't able to play that role anymore. We were just going to be us. I remember feeling very anxious and um, scared. Honestly, not knowing how any of it would turn out, what the questions might be from the other side, how I would hold up if I would get emotional and break down a little bit, and how would I cope with that in the moment. So I was really projecting out about not doing a good job and wanting to be strong. People were really counting on us to deliver, and there was a lot of pressure. We did a lot of our trial preparation together in the same room. And that process 
was grueling. And also in, I felt like I learned yet more about Chris and her experiences. And because we had a lot of the preparation together, I think we felt great empathy for each other, you know, to, to, for what we've gone through that's, that's the same and what we've gone through that's quite different. We spent quite a bit of time with the lawyers practicing answers, but more importantly, thinking deeply about our experience as a couple that had been discriminated against and what did it really mean and how did it really impact us and our children. So it wasn't so much the answers as just understanding ourselves. Being a plaintiff in a case trying to change the Constitution, is it a burden or is it, a, is it something that um, that's easy for you uh, because of what it means? Tell us about that. It doesn't feel like a burden. It just, I feel like a little tiny person in this, this huge country that just, I just want my, my rights. Part of this case was also intended to change public opinion. And that includes our families who live in conservative parts of the state or the country. And one thing we knew, no matter what the outcome of the trial was, was that the public was moving in our direction, that the polling was changing very rapidly. And that included our families. And in the short amount of time, we could see them make the shift. Tell us what it means to you as a plaintiff in this case, if you were to be successful, how it would change your life? Well, I think it would change my life dramatically. Um, the first time somebody said to me, are you married? And I said, yes. I would think, oh, what? That feels good. Today is a great day for American children and families. Sandy and I want to say how happy we are, not only to be able to return to California and finally get married, but to be able to say to the children in California, no matter where you live, no matter who you, your parents are, no matter what family you're in, you are equal. Let the rings exchanged and the vows declared symbolize your commitment sincerity and affection and may your love never falter by virtue of the power and authority vested in me by the state of california i now declare you spouses for life it felt i don't want to say that great because that's, that's an understatement it, it really did change our lives, I, more than I think I thought it would. And the depth of trust and the faith that you're able to have because you're not preoccupied with losing it, that you get to actually invest in it, the actual marriage, not in getting married, but being married. Wow, that's just so different. And that, that, that I still feel grateful for that. Words mean something. I think that was part of the... What we learned at trial, words mean something. They have power. The word marriage means something. And if it didn't mean something, we wouldn't want it. And if it didn't mean something, other people wouldn't fight to try to keep us from having it. That was Chris Perry and Sandy Steer, two plaintiffs in the landmark lawsuit that overturned Prop 8 
in conversation with KQED's Scott Schaefer and Carlos Cabrera Lomeli. This conversation was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. It was produced and scored by Arati Banlamudi, who also added all the tape. The rest of our podcast team here at KQED includes Jen Chien, our director of podcasts, Katie Spranger, our podcast operations manager, Cesar Saldana, our podcast engagement producer, Maha Sanad, our podcast engagement intern, and Holly Kernan, our chief content officer. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. From me and the entire Bay team, happy holidays, y'all. Take care. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 